Hello and welcome to Complimentary Colors. I'm joined here today by Kara Rood. Hey everyone. And our guest Ashley Killian. Hi. And Ashley comes from us from the FFNE world. Ashley, what does FFNE mean? You don't know? Well, you know, refresh my memory. About half our clients probably have no clue. That I think it's a very common but... question. <laughs> I know. Like, what does she do? What? What does she have? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, FFNE is furniture, fixtures, and equipment. So, oh, that's exciting. I once heard someone say if you turn a building upside down, anything that doesn't fall out is considered FFNE. So, I was like, oh, that's a good way to put it. I like um, that. Yeah. That's a really easy way. I like to yeah. say it's the frosting of the structural oh. cake, you know? It's yeah. the part yeah. you really like. It's really the part you talk about. It's the part you use. It's the fondant. <laughs> it's the candles. It's the decoration. Anyway. Continue. It is the candle. But it's how you, like, move in the space. You can have a beautiful building, but if you don't have, you know, the right things in there to function how you want it to... It is your tool. Yeah, that is that is very true. And I think that the interior design profession, it it gets a little muddied sometimes. And when when we really have we have a lot of legs and we have a lot of arms, we touch a lot of things as interior designers from everything from the finish selections that are, you know, it's typical for someone to think color, paint and decor. Um, the little mini accessories and pillows and things like that. Programming and space planning, though, that's probably a bigger portion of what interior design does um, on top of interior architecture. So it's kind of like a blend of being um, everything inside of those exterior walls is kind of our domain. And so FF&E, furniture, <laughs> is a big one for what we do, and it plays into so many of those arms, from the finishes to the space plan, the program, all of that FF&E touches. So I think that beings how we're asked that question so many times from our clients that mm-hmm. I, I think it's a good one to talk about today, don't you think? I yeah. agree. I agree. <laughs> right. So let's deep dive into it. So furniture types and placements really give us a tool for connection. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. I would. Yeah. I think it's what everyone remembers about a space. And it's your first impression. Mm. And you walk in and you're going to see. look at that sofa. (laughs) Or, ooh, look at that sofa. Or, like, was that an uncomfortable sit? Do you know how many times we use that in the industry? What is the sit like? Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah. And it also, I think, is really cool that it can it also can connect people inside. Like, of course, your first impression from your clients and those that are walking into the space for the first time, but what about the people that are walking in every single day, right? What it, what it does to them to impact them and their culture and their belonging and how we can connect people by the furniture. I think that's kind of a really cool thing that you get to do, Ashley, all the time. <laughs> it's really think about how this department needs to function next to this department, who needs to be available, who needs to have the sight lines, who needs to have the acoustic privacy. It all comes down to those, like you had said previously. The details. The devil is in the details. Yep. Exactly. So I'm going to give you another pop quiz. Right. Uh-oh. You? Let's go. (laughs) So Steelcase uh, is a manufacturer that we um, use often, and they have a really great research department, and they just um, published a new quick article on their well-being section, 
that basically highlighted the top three priorities that workers, so those that are inside the building working, have indicated that they feel are important. What do you think those top three are? Ergonomics. Okay, what else? Choice and control. Okay, what else? Uh, oh, gosh. It's like thermal and lighting are tied. So <laughs> in my it's mind. It's too cold. <laughs> I would say th- I'm going to go thermal comfort okay. over lighting control. Yeah, thermal comfort. You guys are diving deep. What about like a, a top umbrella like that would capture those? Uh, drawing a blank here yeah girl go ahead okay well the study has shown that 81 percent of people think that employee well-being is the most important thing to them duh i mean i'm sorry i mean like Like, that's the whole yes absolutely so 81 percent okay but a very close second 78 percent talked about sustainability Interesting. Oh, I yeah. know, right? I love that people are like, I will be completely uncomfortable my whole entire life as long as, I it's mean. good for the environment. <laughs> I think kudos. that also shows how, exactly, kudos to the education and how it's showing us what we what we can do better. Right? Mm-hmm. Sustainability. And then the close third, so 76, so we're going 81, 78, 76% said DEI, which is a cool acronym for diversity, equity, and inclusion. And that is one of the first times that it's actually made the top three. I didn't really? know it was an acronym, too. <laughs> yeah. Another acronym. Here we go. <laughs> D-E-I. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for the first time, it's made the top three. I, I guess I'm a little in shock that it's for the first time. But I know. Okay. So when we say diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, I want to I wanna make sure everybody understands what we mean by that, and especially in the furniture world. So it, by definition... It describes policies and programs that promote the representation and participation of different groups of individuals. So we have a really big opportunity to make an impact in our furniture world on this topic. So it's kind of great to see that, you know, well-being, yes, we can, we can definitely hit that. Sustainability, we're moving in the right direction. But this one, that's a, that's a big one. That's intimidating. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. guess, like, my mind goes to neurodiversity. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know what is with me today. It's like coming back. This All test. good. I'm sorry. <clears throat> but I don't want to have, like, a weird, a weird voice. voice. I mean, it's always kind of raspy, but Okay. <clears throat> No, but I am a little shocked that um, neurodiversity wasn't more specified. I think that. it's a, it, it falls in that category because so it's, it's and it's, it's age, inclusive, right? It's, yeah, it's race, it's um, ethnicities, it, disability, gender, religion. All of that plays into the neurodiversity, exactly. And I think that that's just a little bit more poignant when it comes to what furniture affects. Um, is, you know, how you psychologically feel in mm-hmm. your situation with FF and E. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that also when we, we talk about this DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, I am going to say DEI because it is a mouthful. Yeah, it is. That. No, I know why it's an acronym. <laughs> we have the ability to connect the team. Um, we have the ability to connect the team to the leadership or CEO with really um, important moves as long as we can educate those that are 
buying the FF&E package, uh, the why, because it mm -hmm. is not cheap. <laughs> it's no. not cheap at all, but it affects the bottom line more than a lot of things do. I mean, you can have five different colors of paint in this space, but if you don't have the right tools, it doesn't matter what color it is. space the exactly. right way, then what good is that? Exactly. So I think that um, those top three were kind of like a, a really nice way of framing 2023 and what we're doing post-COVID because mm -hmm. I think that before COVID, it was a lot different because we didn't have the as much. We had work from home, but we did not have it the way that we have it now. Mm -hmm. And I think that that has made a huge impact on furniture. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What have you seen the most change in? Um, I think there's just a lot more flexibility that's needed um, in so many different avenues um, from, you know, where you work in the office to where you work at home, um, having that flexibility uh, to choose where you're working uh, to get your work done. Um, it's important, I think, for the well-being of, of the employees. So it's it kind it's of almost to blur the boundary. Yeah. You know? And I think yeah. that. Um, even the phrase hospitality, I feel like is about to phase out, you know, because it used to be something that like was the, the, the gray space between residential and commercial. Yeah. Now we're really blending the residential and commercial. So the blend between those things, you know, there's been a whole industry for it, you know, like the in-between space before Starbucks took that third mm -hmm. place coining mm -hmm. was our hospitality industry, which was all about how the furniture was, you know, it's mm -hmm. like, it was that space that was still public. So it had to be contract grade because you right. didn't know who was going to sit in it. Multi-use. But then it also had to give you the feeling of home, mm -hmm. you know, which is not as durable and it has more of that uh, worn in, comfortable, wabi-sabi wabi personal yeah. feel. Mm -hmm. And so a... I am starting to see since COVID that line is disappearing. You know, we are Absolutely. just, we're blending those spaces. Right. You know, and side topic, uh, when you say contract grade, mm. I think that's a really good point that because we are blending so many things right now, that that line of what to purchase and where to purchase it mm -hmm. from mm. is actually getting really blurred as well. And so, Ashley, do you want to explain the difference between contract grade and everything else? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question, actually. Um, contract grade is made to um, hold up for multiple use longer. Um, you know, it's going to really wear, not get the wear and tear like your furniture at home. It's going to fall apart, you know, a lot sooner if you were to just wear it out. The cushions, um, from the cushions to the fabrics. Um, so the way it's manufactured all that is, yeah. is tested to withstand, you know, it, um, going back to BIFMA, you know, BIFMA, BIFMA rated furniture, compliant furniture. Um, that's, that's a whole other branch, um, that the manufacturers are, um, compliant to, or a lot of them, you want to look for those manufacturers, um, to have the safety, um, the well-being, the durability versus if you're going to, you know, um, Costco and getting Ikea. a sofa or <laughs> Ikea. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, that thing's going to fall apart. And I actually read an interesting article about furniture, even like I'm, I'm sidetracking here from the commercial industry, but even like our furniture at home, when mm -hmm. we were, you know, with, I would say a hundred years ago when our 
relatives got furniture. It was passed down solid and this was meant to last for basically your life. So whatever furniture you had. Mm -hmm. And so now there's like so much of this, like, you know, it's got the aesthetic down, but it doesn't have the durability down and it's it's just fast fashion furniture. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Um, so we're not seeing that like we used to, but we're not seeing things that can be plugged into a system of circularity. Yeah. Because if it's going to fall apart and you mm-hmm. don't know what to do with the parts, yep. then it was a waste of effort. Exactly. Yeah. Sorry, I had to. Yeah, I was no. like, oh, that's a really good one to distinguish, especially with our lines being blurred the way that we are, because we're not just having an impact on in person anymore. We're mm-hmm. having an impact for those that are in the building and those that are interacting with those that are working virtually. Right. So we have an in office virtual, but also I thought it was really cool. Miller Knoll also has a really great research department, a lot of cool mm-hmm. white papers. They coined another one that was abstract connection. I'm going to read mm. you this definition because I was like, oh, Please. this is cool. Please. So abstract connections are the relationships to ideas, beliefs, values, or goals. That's like the mission Mm. and vision of a company, which is very cool. And these connections can be just as impactful as the in-person and virtual because you're building your community with everything that's around you, not just the tool, but how the tool functions, how the tool looks, Mm -hmm. how it fits into your your personal brand. It's your personal brand. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It's who you are. So you get to be something that you want it to be. So I think that when we look at science and we look at how sociology has um throughout the years explained to us that we have things called strong ties and weak ties we're not as good at doing those right now because we're trying to figure out how to blend Mm. home and work right now and they're finding that environments are kind of losing some of the purpose and the flexibility because we are maybe not spending the whole day there or we're only in office three days a week and we decide to have our conference days at home. So now the tech is a little different, a little different, a lot, a lot different. (laughs) So we're having these challenges of figuring out how to support that hybrid, which is the, Mm -hmm. I would say that would be the buzzword, the hybrid work culture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you guys feel that that would be successfully done right now? Like with what what tools we have currently and how we ha- we have done it, like our office is definitely a blend mm-hmm. of hybrid, mm-hmm. depending on what life throws at you that day. Right. What have what have we done to help that? I I think autonomy. Everyone that's never gonna be out of fashion, right? Everyone always wants a choice. Mm-hmm. But I think what we are missing, and that's gonna get a little more philosophical but I think what we are missing more so the more we push like you may choose everything or anything and you can be anything you want to be to our youth which was not always the predominant messaging to our youth is it's harder to find a sense of belonging and a sense of purpose and so I think when you say work from home work from here When you wake up on that morning and you are in that gray space and you're like, man, I don't really know what's best for me in this very (laughs) moment. And I wish there was a structure right now Mm -hmm. that would make me feel like, oh, boom, if I do this thing, then all of a sudden, like I accomplished a purpose and it could be the simplest of things. But 
I think there is um, the disdain for routine has kind of diluted purpose in our minds mm -hmm. and replaced it a little bit with a craving of entertainment and comfortability. And let's be honest, nobody was ever fulfilled by just being comfortable all the time. So you, you eventually absolutely. get bored, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so what I'm <laughs> saying is like, off. if we're yeah. sitting here saying work from everywhere, do whatever you want to do all the time, um, you would have to be a, a very established soul to understand what you need at all times. Yeah, and that's so a great point. I think if you need, if we were going to solve anything with the tools that we had now, just to bring mm -hmm. it back, it would be to give a little bit more of a framework to especially our younger, um, our very specifically our younger employees so that they would have something to come up against. Because when you overcome a challenge, whether it's working out or accomplishing like a deadline, you get a sense of gratification that with Immediate, autonomy, yeah. mm -hmm. we are stripping away in this day and age. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I think that the more we can showcase that the blend of work from home and work in the office happens, we can also showcase the fact that that is how you grow. You can interact and gain new ideas, get inspired by people. You don't do that necessarily by yourself. Mm -hmm. Like humans are meant to be in groups of people, um, learning from each other, getting ideas from each other. That's just how we grow and how we collaborate. So even though we're embracing this hybrid community workflow, however you want to explain it, we still need to be able to accommodate both of them. And Actually, Ashley, I you, was going to say, I you worked from home yeah. for what, <laughs> a year and a half? Um, so more than that. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. With that. Yeah. So to 2018, I moved out of Alaska and started um, remote work in 2018. And it, um, while it has its, you know, pros um, of the, you know, you don't have a commute, you, mm -hmm. you know, there's time back, time back. Um, it also that lack of structure you're talking about, mm -hmm. Kara, it's and lack of Melissa, what you're saying, interaction. Um, I definitely missed that. So I always like was starved for attention or not attention, <laughs> but starved for human interaction when I come Absolutely. into the workplace. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then it's like, <laughs> For me personally, working from home, it's like you kind of lose your social skills yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Well, it's like, I mean, how do I interact with people in the world? I don't know. <laughs> so um, it's important to have that, like, go into the office, be collaborative, bounce those ideas off. Mm -hmm. Or even for me now, moving back and being here full time, I'm like, ah, I understand so much more of the projects, what's going on from start to finish. Whereas, like, when you're working remote, you need to over communicate and then that's some because otherwise you're point. not getting the big picture of what's going yeah. on you see the whole life cycle right whether you want to or yeah not. yeah you just can't replace like the energy too that you get mm -hmm. from being in the presence of other humans so and I think that's really important to stress too with the whole DEI inclusion part mm -hmm. of the I um, if we can't interact then that already is suffering and so we're not strengthening those ties that those sociologists are telling us are important mm -hmm. for a collaboration and a team to function they should have strong ties mm -hmm. so if we can't figure out a way for those well you know we, we try to fly you yeah. yeah it's 
we've come a long way with technology yes. and video conferencing, obviously. That's very helpful, uh, but it's not the full picture. Yeah, right. And those underserved voices and opinions and mm-hmm. uh, perspectives, I think being able to insert those helps you remember what the community we're serving you know, is really made up of. Yeah, mm-hmm. there was even, so this week, um, we had an in-office meeting for the first time with our design team, and I think one person showed up because <laughs> it was like, you can join remotely or we'll be in person. And it was just kind of interesting to see since COVID wiped all of the in-person meetings out for so long, mm-hmm. how hard it's been to get that in-person get meeting back. back. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting um, when we did have, like, there was one other meeting where we're like, we'll wait for you to get here. <laughs> And then they get there and we're like sketching, we're drawing on the board. We're really like, they left with markups that were color coded and I didn't have to do anything after the meeting. It was a working meeting and it was so refreshing. So much more. Yes. You you got it done in that hour Mm -hmm. instead of capturing the information you needed to do in that hour to follow up. Right. So there is really great benefits from connecting in person again, but also if you can't having the technology and the furniture to allow those people to have an equal voice at the table mm-hmm. and not just this like spotty cell phone because we can't get you connected mm-hmm. or where's our IT cut? Yeah. Like what have, you know, all of those mishaps that can happen. If we can streamline that in furniture and make it easier with all of our equipment that we mm-hmm. have in the FFME part. Flexibility um, in furniture. <laughs> yes, the flexibility it's going to be. Um, way more easy to get that DEI solution. Mm-hmm. But also we have sustainability, right? That was another really big one that people were talking about. So I think that we've come pretty far, but what do you, how, how do you guys feel that we're doing furniture-wise and sustainability? <laughs> I can go first. I go. think, you know, um, I spoke to this in another podcast, but um, bring back to BIFMA and level certification, um, I think that there is one voice that unifies kind of the um, common goals of the furniture manufacturers mm-hmm. that contract furniture. Um, and so they're working together to, you know, not only for the present time, what we're in now, but also for the future. So they're kind of trying to forward think like in, and respond to our industry and the sustainability that we're all asking for now. Um, I think there are, there's good movement on kind of tracking that, you know, from um, cradle to grave, you know, where is this material coming from? There's, mm-hmm. you know, um, standards that are they're measuring for these furniture manufacturers. So um, we're coming a long way, but there's that not to say that there's not work to be done. I know. And that's like almost the behind the curtain, right? Mm-hmm. We're doing like the specification <laughs> writing for the furniture right, that yep. you want. We're making sure it hits all of these BIFMA and level certifications mm-hmm. to make sure that your warranty is going to actually last and right. what you're investing in is going to actually sustain. Mm-hmm. And then there's a whole nother front curtain. Carrie, do you want to talk about? Well, I feel general? like I need to play devil's advocate a yeah, little bit here. Do it. I have a yeah. very strong like opposition to the, uh, what I just heard, but <laughs> I would say <laughs> that, um, this is good. I, you know, again, back to my drum of circularity and my drum of reuse that if there is, uh, let's say a hundred pieces of furniture that have been manufactured 20 years ago, the exact same way that you are manufacturing them today, Mm-hmm. And those are sitting unused in some unnamed location that those should be reclaimed and reused instead of taking virgin material and recreating those all over again. 
And there's a huge gap in yes. the the furniture world. And I don't think that. a lot of people know that. I think yeah. it's one of those things that we are finding in our design world currently where there there is that gap because we're learning we're learning more about that circularity and how impactful right. it is on the carbon footprint and all of the all of the science is coming up. So I think it's really great to bring that up, Kara. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because if you think about it, if the bones are the same and we're just changing the fabrics and the powder coat finish or whatever finish, you know, I'm, I'm using like um, partition demountable mm -hmm. systems as an panels. example and panels is that I would say that uh, we should stop all new manufacturing of these things. Like if there was going to be somebody in the furniture world that was largely named that would stand for that, mm -hmm. that they would get so much play. It would be such a reinvention because we're all in the same big blue world together trying to make it survive. Yeah, absolutely. And their, their manufacturing has not changed in 20 years. Like there's enough. Yeah, There's enough I mean, there. I'd say that the manufacturing thing that has changed has changed to make it more economical and affordable. So that's where almost like that fast fashion furniture comes in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm hearing. You're like, hey, we need to kind of mute that and more really so, go like back it, it's still to made where it out was. of like steel and aluminum and it's still made extremely like the contract grade we've mentioned mm -hmm. before. Yeah. It's still made in that same fashion. But maybe we should invest less in the the manufacturing on new and more in a a MRF, you know, like a yes, a facility that's like a material, you know, reclaiming facility and resorting yeah. facility. And don't you have a company that you found that has started oh, to So anyone that loves marketplace <laughs> or, you know, any of the other uh, ways that we create um, residential circular economies. Right. Um, yes, Reapley is a company that does that for our industry. So it's more of the commercial grade product. Yes, and so whether it's FF&E mm -hmm. or uh, building materials, you can go and find things and shop on already created products that um, are stored around. But then I also think it's important... Um, Diversion, you know, like these MRFs I mentioned, these material recovery facilities. I met a company. <laughs> Another acronym. That's a good one. I didn't know that one. I met a company um, just at that last sustainability summit, um, IRS Demo. They're out of California. And, you know, instead of being a demolition contractor, they are a deconstruction contractor. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And then they put, you know, they'll... For example, they'll, you know, decommission an entire commercial kitchen and they're like, we, this is all usable. usable. Right. And so they'll just put, you know, an ad, like we have this and That's people great. will come and they will collect it instead of that sitting in a landfill. Never, you know, it's again, I can't say it enough. Like trash is not a term used in nature because everything is circular and we have implanted ourselves on top of this ecosystem and said mm -hmm. that if we bury it and don't see it, then it's not a thing. But again, if we kind of bring this back to every part of our industry, there's always going to be a new home. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think furniture is a really great um, place to start actually investing in that circularity because we have the ability to refresh products without having to replace them. Could that play into the equity too? Or? Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. 
it's not going to be as expensive as buying something new. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can put that out to organizations that might not have as much funding. Mm -hmm. So yeah, give it a new life. Donations. Yeah. Right. Donate Mm -hmm. it to a nonprofit and it gets a new life and new works. Absolutely. So the next one was well-being, which was the top, it was actually the top selection, Mm -hmm. which I thought was very interesting after COVID was employee well-being. So I think that that plays back to like the Well-Building Institute Mm -hmm. and their standards that they've um, activated in all of their sections, as some of them being as specific as active furnishings and choice and control. Ashley, Mm -hmm. what, what does active furnishings mean? So that would be um, something that you can be active in. So like a height adjustable desks. Um, I think that circles back to um, the study about being seated all day or seated in front of a screen all day. And that is, they're learning that is not good for your health. Um, It affects, um, it can increase your uh, risk for getting cancer. um, It's like seating is the new smoking. Sitting's the new new smoking, um, you know, creates fatigue, um, back pain. So just sitting there all day, like you're going to, you know, you know, shorten all your ligaments. Yeah. And if you don't have a good ergonomic chair to some, some chairs do support you sitting, but that's mm-hmm. still neither here nor there. It's not good for your health. So active furnishings will help you to move throughout the space. So height adjustable desks where you can go to standing. Um, there's some furniture that has like a treadmill attached or, um, yeah, really active. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The, and then even just like getting one of those little like pedal things for your under your desk I've also seen that I think we have a coworker that has one of those standing boards too yes. oh yeah we yeah, circulate that around. Around. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's really interesting as well just to get your your brain circulating a little bit more even if you're in a, a stagnant mode of focus it's mm-hmm. still making something move well you can really follow the three w's too Ah, yeah, what, are the, what are the three W's, Ashley? So uh, me and my my oldest son we listen to um, Daily J on the pot on uh, the app Calm And so it's kind of a fun way for us to close the day and kind of bond together. And it's always great information. Yeah. Um, But he had a really good one that I liked and it was the three W's. Um, So when you're working during the day, if um, first thing you need water, you need to hydrate yourself. I think we all, I know I personally am always need more water. I can improve that too. (laughs) Yeah. That needs improvement. (laughs) Uh, The second thing was window. So Mm -hmm. go to a window, get some fresh air, give your eyes a break from looking at the screen. Um, and then the third thing was walk. So even just like going down the hall and touching the, um, the little model we have of the airport. But just getting up and walking. So those three things, you know, help with your well-being during the day, the workplace, even if you don't have these ergonomic tools, you know, there's things that you can do to mitigate that. I like that you bring that up too. the walking. It's really important to change your situation sometimes mm-hmm. and your perspective and having the choice and control over your space, which is another subcategory of the Well Building Institute and with the framework that they have. But it gives you the opportunity to not just do your work in one spot. Mm-hmm. It allows you to work in the cafe if there's one there. You can take a walking meeting around a track in your office mm-hmm. or outside. You could um, do a flex space and have standing meetings somewhere. Um, it really allows you to, to, to choose that. Mm-hmm. How do you think furniture plays a, a role in supporting that? Well, I think the design in general during the design development development process going through and making sure that you're uh, designing spaces for 
maybe a quick huddle room meeting space, uh, designing a private office. Maybe that could also double as a meeting space if the person working there isn't there all the time. Um, having a cafe, you know, kind of like the Starbucks, uh, what we yeah, talked the about. Third, the third yeah. space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, having something like that, even you could go pop down and work or having kind of a residential feeling um, lounge space, you know, that makes you feel more like home and like you're, you know. You just chill for a do little you, bit. Do you think, because I'm just thinking about some of our client meetings and I, I just want to make sure that our listener is just sitting there thinking like, I wish my clients were <laughs> up for some of these flexible spaces. Me and too. Yeah, <laughs> we do too. <laughs> but I guess I, you know, I think that it's really important to talk about how um, there's an education component mm-hmm. when it comes to these areas. And, you know, I think that's a huge part of what your job always is, is as much as you know, building systems change, mm-hmm. FF&E changes so much quicker. And that rapid change True. makes education a huge part of your job mm-hmm. in order to show people that this is actually beneficial. Because when it comes to programming, most people equate higher ups with, you know, Corner like offices. you, oh, <laughs> you, I mean, that has been shown even in cinema. Like if you have the corner office, yep. you're yeah. important. Mm-hmm. And so to try to break down some of these social boundaries that we've created within an industry that people will say openly they don't know enough about or Mm -hmm. much about, but yet they have very stringent ideas based on cinema or personal experience or social norms. Mm -hmm. And so you are always up against such a hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. And inside of the design community, it's not just, it's not just (laughs) educating our clients. You're educating us too. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause you, you just said that some of these things need to be programmed. Mm -hmm. That's 35% of the building design, Mm -hmm. not FF&E. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it starts at the very beginning. It does. So, the conversation. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So the more we can start learning about these things and our innate like drive to do certain things like Karen, do you want to describe this, our, our prospect and refuge that we like to educate our clients? On? Oh, absolutely. So it's uh, me back to the primal. <laughs> um, so You know, in our primal beings, we like to have a prospect, which is imagine hunting and you're looking at a vast, you know, desert or you're looking at a vast field and you're looking out at at game to hunt. Mm -hmm. Um, You basically, you can survey from a distance and you can take in all that information without feeling enclosed yourself. And that is something that brings us comfort. And you pair that with refuge, which is having your own personal boundary within that. So the way we're attracted to a booth seat rather Mm -hmm. than a table in the middle of uh, a restaurant or how a cave feels um, very secure or how the edge of a, a forest looking onto a field even makes animals feel more mm-hmm. secure. Safe. Um, all of those things are are ways that psychologically we create space with FFNE mm-hmm. that you know a, attracts us to a sense of comfort and peace. Yeah, that's a really good point. So it really shows the depth and breadth that we can op- offer mm-hmm. our clients with FFNE. It doesn't have to be all the same chair. It doesn't have to be all the same table. The layouts can move. Right. So if you've flexibility. got yeah, you've got a situation where you want a conference room or a training room or just be an active flex space and it mm-hmm. can be in multiple zones. Right. 
I think that we're trying to showcase how we can be as flexible as possible in our, I would say like probably 65%. We're trying to show that, right? Mm -hmm. So that it's before they like, yeah, I'm going to buy that. (laughs) We're trying to show them how many times and how many ways Mm -hmm. that they can use that, which I think is really interesting. And I think that um, with our, our world today being hybrid, do you, do you think that there is a better way to do furniture? Mm, that's a good question. Yeah, like just, I know we have the circularity and the upcycling. I know we have that, but it, it, let's make it even smaller. In Anchorage, Anchorage, Alaska, tiny little place on the map. What right now could we do better? Man, that just brings me back to reusing furniture. I, <laughs> I keep completely. going back to that because we are our own little like ecosystem up here in some ways. So if we can kind of give back to our community and pull from those uh, materials that we already have, that would save a lot with like just getting furniture up here. You have to go on the barge and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's a couple extra weeks to get things up here. Um, so, yeah, really qualifying the the dealers too up here to – um, let us let us know when there's all these extra things that we are going to go out to the landfill or, you know, maybe we can auction them off and, you know. That's a good point. And then the money go, it has another life and the money can be used. Right. But also, Kara, I remember you educating um, a client. I'm, I am forgetting the client, but I'm sure you remember. But it was um, a client in the bush that we call <laughs> remote Alaska where we can't get to. Um, on a road system, and I can only get there by plane or or barge. Um, about the f- importance of buying something of quality so that mm-hmm. it can have a full life. Absolutely, yeah. Because I've seen, um, you know, seventy, fifty year old facilities when they're dismantled in a community, they're not buried; mm-hmm. they are repurposed in homes, and so that toxicity or, you know, the ability to dismantle them became way more important. So very mm-hmm. much about the reuse cycle. Um, but I, you know, to your, your other question, I really, I, I think that this is something that we all aspire to is to think more holistically about the experience when you are, uh, in a space, for example, all of your senses Mm -hmm. and it can go back as primally as when you're sitting around a fire, anyone is willing to sit on a log as long as it's the closest seat to the warmth. And so if we think about, (laughs) it can be uncomfortable as long as it's warm. (laughs) Absolutely. So I guess if, when we are designing space or when people are, you know, trying to get the most bang for a buck, if you could think about that holistic picture, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that um, future generations, ther- yeah, thermal comfort or olfactory or uh, access to light, all of these things, it's not just about the sit and mm-hmm. it's not just about even the sustainability attributes. It, it has just, it's a piece of the puzzle of the broader experience. Then, you know, I think we would make do like, I'm the person that would sit on even the wet log <laughs> to get closer to the fire. So I think yes. just keeping that in mind um, as you go forth with design that you could end up being really profound, you mm-hmm. know, even as a young designer, if you just look at a, a picture more broad than your own scope, um, you'll have a lot more to add That's to the really story. Point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that 
the the Miller Knoll pieces that I was reading earlier really um, honed in on the fact that a lot of this has to do with being okay to change because mm. change is hard. So hard. <laughs> it is hard. For we're humans. good. We're good at it. Mm. We're good at change, but it's still hard. And they had three bullet points that I wanted to sum summarize for you guys because I thought they were really good, and I was like, I can't, I can't say that better. So I'll let you know what they are. So one of them was change can feel disruptive and cause uncertainty, but it also holds enormous potential to drive organizational success. And I think that that resonated a lot, especially with what you were talking about with media and how this, like all these movies have portrayed those corner offices and even just exterior window offices, right? And then mm -hmm. everybody, the worker bees are in the center just flipping that around and saying, well, actually it needs to be the opposite to satisfy all of these things that you're asking that for. D-I-I, D-I-E. D-E-I. Yeah, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, Including everybody and mm -hmm. giving everybody access to those things is important. Yeah. Um, the next one was a workplace that can adapt to the needs of individuals, teams, and the organization helps people get more comfortable with change, which also then builds resiliency within the company. So I thought that was really interesting too, because if we provide sit standing height desks, so if we go to the individual level and we're saying, okay, you get to choose when you want to stand and when you want to sit, <laughs> you get to choose how you adjust your chair, you get to choose where you want to take that meeting. That's giving choice and control where they can almost select their prospect or refuge, right? We're giving them all of that option. So that is building the trust and resiliency that they have within that organization. And then in turn, has the same trust back because those leadership are seeing the engagement, the productivity. I say that's a segue it's a to circle. the engagement. Yeah. There's a study on that, uh, Stillcase did, about um, choice and control. Give the, the people who um, had more choice and control were more engaged in their workplace and their work. I love that. So that was interesting. But there is, you know, I did want to mention too that uh, you don't want too much choice and control <laughs> because then you have decision fatigue. And so there's kind of like did our first world real, real heavy <laughs> over here. Like, we, I'm sorry. But it's, yeah, you have a Goldilocks, you know, yeah. of well, yeah. not too much, not too little, just right. So right. Yeah. yeah, there's that's where we come in is to kind of like narrow down those decisions mm -hmm. to, you know, our educated guesses. <laughs> I, would, I yeah. would agree though. Yeah. I think it's really interesting. Even a site walk we've done recently where someone was like, this chair is just too high. And we're looking at it and we're like, Oh, that's technically a stool at the lowest setting. Right. With a foot ring, but definitely wasn't made for all day sit. So it's like, yeah, that education part right. is very important for, on all levels. <laughs> um, not just the person that's buying the furniture, but those that are actually the end user. In it. Yes, the end mm -hmm. user. Exactly. So the last one was optimizing workplace flexibility is also an ever-changing process. That doesn't surprise me. By practicing inclusive design, organizations continue to learn and adapt based on people's changing needs. And I think this one speaks really loud post-COVID, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. What we needed before COVID is definitely not what we need now. It changed us all in so many different ways. Yes. Even with um, those that have continued to keep their six-foot bubbles, mm 
um, and those that want them to disappear. That's a, that's a really big change in the work environment too. That's it's kind of hard still to mm-hmm. to that's gauge psychological that safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. So I think that's really interesting how flexibility had always been a buzzword. Collaborative. Mm-hmm. What was that active? There was like a. We went on a, a tour. Remember at Steelcase. Active learning. Grand Rapids, active something. Oh no. I'm zero help to you right now. Man, I'm sorry. But it was being able to take like a desk and move it 90 degrees and interact with the team in a little different manner to do a project that's a different type. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I'm thinking about how the playfulness, you know, as we start to blend, like I wanted to, to be comfortable, mm-hmm. like I'm sitting in my living room, but I'm also in my office. There's also just this layer of personal versus professional psychologically, mm-hmm. that blending that has happened mm-hmm. um, that I think our spaces have allowed. For example, if we didn't have an open office layout with our furniture in our office, we wouldn't have the Nerf gun wars that we do <laughs> constantly, you know, which was a way for us to aggressively interact, you know, even through that getting used to having, you know, that physical boundary mm-hmm. um, removed after the time of the pandemic. So you mean you're um, facilitating spontaneous impromptu connections? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was definitely one of the tips and tricks I was going to give us to be able to do things like that, to actually encourage people to just yeah. take that 20 second break. And mm-hmm. look at the window or make a really funny interaction. Right. Um, it, all, it all matters in the end of the day. Um, but with that, do you have any other like tips and tricks that you would give anybody looking into the furniture world of how they can better incorporate the tools they have mm. or the tools they need? Like what might be missing and how they would figure that out? I, I would say, and this is like, uh, my dad might like cry a single <laughs> tear when I say this because he's like, she listened. Um, <laughs> is uh, question everything. Ah, that's a good one. You mm. know, that was his biggest lesson in my entire childhood is to question everything. And I think now that we have all of these resources uh, and the connection that we have in our new world, that um, questioning everything will lead to new answers Mm -hmm. and uh, it will lead to us gaining from each other in diverse perspectives. That's kind of like your why question was ask why how many times? 20, 25? Oh my gosh, it's overwhelming. Yeah, if any of you take our expand experience workshop and I ask you why 20 times, it might bring you to tears (laughs) when you figure out your real why. But how about you, Ashley? Any tips and tricks? for figuring out what you need and how the flow should really work? Gosh, that's a great question. Uh, And my squirrel brain (laughs) is like going back to the um, flexibility Mm -hmm. um, to, we recently went to Germany to learn about school furniture and something I feel like I wanted to comment on was the flexibility even within the classrooms. That's a good point. How much um, like, our, the learning of our children matters now uh, to, you know, they're so focused on test scores, but that's not really mm-hmm. what's important, like what these children do in the world and how they interact and, you know, getting them to learn to love school and putting them on a good path to, you know, a career, a uh, good setup, you know, furniture can go back to that too. And having, you know, kids just sit and look at a, you know, teacher all day, sit still. How many little boys are wiggly I know I have two little wiggly yeah. boys. And I, I get that. Yeah. yeah. So just having that 
choice to, to flex and move and get the wiggles out. And, and kids are so creative. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm also like, you know, squirreling out here again, but it just, um, there was a study done about kids and, um, it being geniuses and the older you get, the less genius that you get. And that there's only like 2% of the population at the end of growing up that are actual geniuses, but children. Yeah. Like 98% are in the genius level. So it's our like education still, like takes that out. So the phrase of like bringing out that inner child is yes. more meaningful than yes. just being playful. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's like beautiful. that intuitiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, the prospect and refuge era of life is coming out because that's you're you're listening to your gut. You're looking at your surroundings. You're mimicking those that you love. Exactly. That's a, that's a really good point. So I think that to 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 close, um, I wanted to share some of the references. I know we we talk a lot of like fun facts and we nerd out a lot, but there are lots of resources out there for people to gather information. And I just want to highlight the two that I, I looked at today um, to refresh my brain was Miller Knowles Insights. They have, so they have Knoll website for furniture and they have Herman Miller website. And they merged, which is right, two but they companies. also have a Miller Knoll okay. website yep. that is all about the resources and references that they use to build and reference to teach us, the design community, um, the importance of the flexibility and all of the attributes that we get to teach our clients. But also Steelcase. Steelcase has a research tab that has so many white papers. Mm-hmm. I know we go to that a lot. That's a that's a really big resource for us. Are there any other resources that you guys want to share? Uh, I want to go back to BIFMA again. BIFMA is a they good have one. a lot of continued learning opportunities as mm-hmm. well. Um, there was a recent one about bi- biophilic design, which is another big one. It was a good one. It was a good one, yeah. They left inspired. Yeah, yeah. So um, they have a, a lot of good learning material and just learning about the um, furniture industry in, in general. Awesome. And I would say International Well Building Institute. I I look at their features all the time. Um, so the features are the different parts that mm-hmm. you know you could implement into a building, but they will always have the science behind. And I think that that hits on a very human level. And so if you really feel passionately about having something happen in one of your projects to look at that research, um, they will always hit on a human level, whether you know anything about the building industry or not. And then leans on the science that backs it up. Mm -hmm. That's a really good point. It's science. It's science at the end of the day. Got to do it incrementally. There's a reason. (laughs) There's a reason we do things. But um, also, I want to thank you guys uh, for listening today. And if you think of any other resources that we could share with the community, please reach out to us. We'd love to share more. Bye. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks, Karen. Cosmetic Colors is a production of MCG Explore Design, an architecture and interior design firm located in beautiful Anchorage, Alaska. If you'd like to hear more future episodes, be sure to subscribe to Complimentary Colors wherever you find podcasts.